0: Will you join me in prayer before we jump into John 8? Holy Spirit, I just want to say thank you like from the bottom of my heart for the ways that you bless us. Your grace is on display every moment of the day. Like the way that you, the way that you love us through each other, I see that it's growing and it's taking shape more and more. I do ask for more of that, but I just want to, take, I want to pause with my brothers and my sisters and just say thank you Thank you for your intentionality. Thank you that you're always on time. You're consistent, you're faithful, you're loving. I pray that that as we go through John 8 this morning, um, that we would do it, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the passage, but that as we do it, we really would just, we would have this foundation of gratitude in our hearts. I don't want any of us to miss out on life, the abundant life that you you promised to us as we follow you, King Jesus. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's circumstances that are awful. But Jesus, your sovereign rule and reign tells us that you're working all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. So, would you help us be a people? Would you make us be a people? who are grateful at all times, because we we are the type of people that know exactly what we deserve, and then when we compare that with what we have, it blows us away by your grace. Holy Spirit, help me to preach this morning. I'm not feeling so great, but help me to preach this morning and help me to honor my brothers and sisters. I love you. Point us to Jesus, please. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, so John chapter eight, we're gonna be in verses 30 through 47. So a decent amount this morning. <clears throat> um, so bear with me. But John chapter 8, hopefully you're there by now. We're going to start in verse 30. Okay. As he, the he is Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. Okay. Okay. What are these things that we're talking about? Really quickly, some review. Um, This is the same discourse that we've been in for the last several weeks, weeks now. You remember, we've been talking about Jesus at the Festival of Booths. He's in Jerusalem. The people of God, the Jews, right? They're gathering for this festival to celebrate God's goodness, to celebrate his faithfulness. We've been in this kind of same discourse of Jesus talking to different Jewish people for like three or four weeks now, okay? Same discourse, same thing happening, same location, all right? And what Jesus has said is he's basically told them, hey, I'm the light of the world. Like, I am the source that reveals truth about God and truth about man, okay? He said, I'm not of this world. He says, I'm the only one. Because I'm not of this world, I'm the only one that can truly save a person, Okay, if you want to review any of this stuff, like I said earlier, you can, read, you can listen back to the past messages that might help clarify some things. But what I want you to know is when he says that he was saying these things, these are the things that he was saying. And this is still the same discourse, the same location, same scene. All right, <clears throat> let's pick back up verse 31 here. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Famous verse there, right? You will know the truth, the truth will set you free. What he says here is he says something really interesting. It's kind of profound, actually. He says, if you continue in my word, you're my disciple. If you continue in my word, what does that mean? Um, Notice, he's speaking here to people who, who believed him. These are Jews, right? Chosen people of God, biologically, um, these are the Jews, and he's speaking to them. And these are people who are now going, okay, I'm listening to you say that you're the light of the world. I'm listening to you say that you're not of this world. I'm listening to the things that you have to say, and I'm starting to believe that you are the savior of the world. You're the Messiah. So this is who he's talking to, okay? And he says, if you continue in my word, what he's talking about there is, if you continue, if you keep believing me, if you keep trusting me, if you, and you can't have trust without obey, uh, with obedience, right? So if you keep um, if you keep continuing in my word, if you keep if you keep trusting what I'm saying to you, if you keep obeying what I'm telling of you, telling you to do, he says that two things will happen. He says you'll become aware of the truth, and he says you'll be set free. So Jesus is essentially telling these people that what you think is true actually isn't true. He says, in other words, they're being deceived. <clears throat> he says that you will know the truth, as in they don't know the truth. He's telling them that you guys think you know the truth, but you don't. You're actually <laughs> deceived in what is true. Um, do me a favor, think back. How many people were in high school at some time in the late 90s? Okay, worst fashion just maybe, maybe ever, okay? Think back to the things that you wore when you were 16 years old. Did anybody wear on purpose? Did anybody wear something when they were 16 years old that they purpose or like, this isn't cool? This is not cool, but I'm going to wear it, it anyway. Did anybody do that? No, we all wore stuff that we thought was cool. And then we look back in pictures and we're like, that actually was not cool. Okay, the bleaching your tips and the, the puka shells and the, like, the, the, did anybody wear, like wear like ridiculously baggy clothes? Let me see your hand. Right? Like, I I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking about this this week, I wore like, I I had this one pair of jeans, and guys like, I'm not a big guy, okay, like I'm pretty skinny, I had this, and I have been my whole life, I had this pair of jeans that were so baggy that like you could fit people in them, it was, it just looked ridiculous, but I thought it was cool at the time. Like, I legitimately put them on, like, dude, I'm going to school in these jeans. The pocket, the back pocket was, like, down past my knee. Like, I, did, I made some terrible, terrible decisions. But it, here's why. It was because I was deceived about what I thought was cool. Like, legitimately. And I think about, like, the way that I spoke at 16 years old. I know some wonderful, wonderfully well-adjusted 16-year-olds. Like, like, fantastic. That was not me. I think about the way that I spoke. Like, I think about the way I treated people. I didn't know Jesus at the time. Like, I was raised in a really healthy home. My parents raised me well, but I was, didn't keep me, it didn't keep me from being deceived. I thought about the way that I treated people, man. Like, like, I genuinely used to think it was cool to tear people down. And I thought that the coolest people in school were the ones who were the best at it like the wittiest comebacks, the way to like tear someone down quick and like, I genuinely thought that was cool. Listen to me. I don't think that's cool anymore. I remember um, thinking certain parents were cool and they were usually the parents that like let their kids and their kids' friends do tons of stuff they shouldn't be doing. And sometimes like empowered them to do that. Whether it was Drugs or getting drunk or sometimes even sexual stuff. I don't think that's cool anymore. Like as a teenager, guys, I was seriously deceived about what I thought was cool. And then I started to kind of follow Jesus imperfectly, like straight up, totally imperfectly. I started to follow Jesus and God began to reveal to me the ways in which I was being deceived. I started to see things differently. Like explain that. Like this day, you know, on, on Monday, I think baggy pants and tearing people down is cool. On Wednesday, I don't think those things are cool anymore. God started to reveal things to me. I started to see things differently. Frankly, that's partially why I fell so in love with Ebony. I fell so in love with her because she didn't dress like other girls dressed. Like, she didn't, she didn't speak like other girls spoke. Like, she treated people with kindness. Like, like, even the outcasts in school and stuff. Like, not popular kids. Like, Kids that couldn't really give her any like I don't know, like they couldn't give her anything. They had, they had nothing to offer her. Like dorky kids that sat on the side and and the football player or the the outcast or the goth kid. Like she treated everybody the same. Like kindness and and and, 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 and like she encouraged people instead of tearing them down. And I remember being like I remember being just kind of like blown away by it, like, ooh, who is this woman? Prior to that, I wouldn't have thought that was that cool. So free advice really quickly, especially for the students and the singles in the room. There's this weird thing, like you tend to attract people you th- who think you're cool. You tend to attract people who think you're cool. So ladies, really quick, the low-cut shirt, it will attract a certain type of person, okay? You loving God with all your soul, mind, and strength that will attract an entirely different person. Fellas, bigger biceps. I just wanted to flex in front of you. I have no biceps. I have no biceps. (laughs) Bigger biceps, driving a fancy car, the cool clothes, whatever. It's gonna attract a certain type of person. But you loving God with your soul, mind, and strength. You honoring and respecting women even when most people aren't watching. That will attract an entirely different person. My friends, don't be deceived. When I was a teenager, I was deceived about what I thought was cool. And here's the kind of creepy thing about deception. You don't know when you're being deceived. So some of us in the room, we might be deceived right now. If you're deceived right now, you wouldn't know it. That's how deception works. That's what it is. So to get out of deception, it requires believing something different. Are you with me? To not be deceived, you got to believe something different. Jesus tells these people they're deceived about some things. Okay. The first way he says that they're deceived is he says you think you he says, says you you think that you're free, but you're not free. Let's see how they respond. Verse thirty three. This is what they say. They say, we are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Verse 34, Jesus responded, truly I tell you, listen to this, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever So if the Son, that's Jesus, sets you free, you really will be free. Some translations say, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You've heard that before, yeah? Great. So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. Verse 37, I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. So then, you do what you have heard from your father. Pause for a second. So Jesus, he tells them that they don't know the truth, and they think they're free, but they're not, and they're confused. They're like, we're descendants of Abraham. We're Israelites. We're God's chosen people. Like, what do you mean we don't know the truth? It's basically like, they're like, hey, my parents uh, our parents, our grandparents, our great grandparents, our ancestors, they were there when Moses parted the Red Sea. Like they walked on the dry land in the middle of the sea. Our parents and grandparents and great grandparents and ancestors, they were there. Like they marched around the walls of Jericho and saw him fall. We were born Jews. What do you mean we don't know the truth? Today's equivalent would be something like this. Today's equivalent would be like, our parents are Christians, our great grandparents were Christians, like we grew up in a Christian home. We, we've gone to church since we were kids. What do you mean we don't know the truth? So these Jews, they're they're irritated at this point. They're slightly confused, and they're like, we're not deceived, and we're not slaves. You see, what they failed to realize is that God knows more about what's actually true than they do. So the second way that these guys are deceived, they're deceived and they think that they know better than God. And it causes them to have a prideful response instead of, let me think about this for a second. Let me really weigh this. Let me put this before Lord Almighty. You see, these, these Jews, they're thinking Physical. They're thinking physical, but Jesus is speaking of the spiritual. Oftentimes, Jesus is speaking of the spiritual. They're thinking physical. So, caution to you really, really quickly, in love, don't be so preoccupied with the physical that you dismiss the spiritual. Because the spiritual influences the physical, and the physical influences the spiritual, absolutely. But don't be so preoccupied by the physical. Don't be so preoccupied by the temporary that you miss out on the eternal Jesus is trying to get his disciples to think differently, to view things differently. It's a different kingdom. And so Jesus, he says, everyone, this is crazy, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Everyone, even Jews. And then he tells them that his father is different than their father. Uh, This week, uh, some kind of weird stuff went down in my girls' schools. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I want to share this with you because I think it would be helpful. I, I, one of the things I love about our church is that it has tons of teachers in it, um, and I think that they're amazing, and they, they like, give so much of their life, so much of their energy to the formation of young kids. It's amazing. Um, <clears throat> this week, um, something came to light that my eldest daughter, Amelia, had experienced something that my youngest daughter experienced this week, but it just came to light to us. I'm going to share it with you. So Millie told me that when she was in kindergarten, uh, she said that practically every day that this boy would come into the bathroom, the, the girl's bathroom, and she'd be like, you can't be in here. You have to get out. And he would, he would stick his head under the stall when she's going potty. And she's like, I'm like, Millie, why didn't you tell us this baby? Like, and she's like, well, I just got used to it. I didn't, and like, obviously, all the administrators, all the teachers are like, they gotta say something, you know, they can't, they, they can't protect our kids if they don't know, right? So we had this long conversation with her, like, baby, you, like, as her daddy, I'm like, you have every right to defend yourself. Jesus created your body, your body belongs to him, but he made you the boss of your body, Okay. So I'm just, like, giving her permission, and I'm like, first thing you do, if someone, if you ever feel scared and someone's, like, um, anything having to do with your body, you scream as loud as you can, and then you have daddy's permission to physically defend yourself. Okay? And she goes, she goes but daddy, like, there's a rule. You can't scream in the bathroom. And my heart just went, like, she's such a rule follower, man. She's going to be a Pharisee. Like, it's just true. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, it was cute, though, you know? Like, because she wants to, she wants to obey the rules, like, <clears throat> but I'm like, baby, I know that the campus aides, they have authority. Absolutely. The campus aides have authority. You need to listen to them. Your daddy has a higher authority. Okay? I'm telling you right now, you have daddy and mommy's permission to scream as loud as you want, baby, as loud as you can. Okay? <clears throat> as her father, I'm a higher authority. Okay, remember, Jesus is speaking about the spiritual here. Okay? So when he uses the word father, he's not really talking about biology. Okay? He's referring to authority. Not biology, but he is referring to authority because, and especially in this culture, a child's highest authority is their father. Okay? For better or for worse. For better or for worse. We've all seen that fathers can use their authority poorly or they can use it wisely. So, when Jesus tells them their father is different than his father, he's speaking about whose authority they're really under. Are you tracking with this idea? Yes? No? Great. Okay. He's talking about whose authority they're under. Not biologically, but spiritually. Not on paper, but in practice, in action. So, just really quickly, get a pulse in your heart. Okay? Get a pulse for today. What's the highest authority in your life today? Not the answer on paper. What's the highest authority in your life? These Jews, they thought they knew, friends, They thought they knew, but they were deceived. If you're having trouble figuring out, this whole week, I'm like, my prayer, Holy Spirit, show me who who and what the highest authority in my life is in any given moment. I want it to be Jesus, absolutely, but I need to become aware because I'm I'm just as prone to being deceived as these Jews were, and you're no different than me. So if you're trying to figure this out, your highest authority, stay with me, your highest authority is whatever you can't say no to. Your highest authority is whatever you can't say no to. Some of us in the room, we can't say no to doing too much blank. Drinking, eating, fill in the blank. Can't say no, I can't say no to drinking too much. Some of you, you can't say no to pornography. You want to, you can't. You can't say no to spending money you don't have. Because it was on sale. Some of us can't say no to gossiping. We can't say no to embellishing the truth. Um, dirty little secret for preachers. That last one. Can't say no to embellishing the truth because preachers want to give you these elaborate illustrations and these stories that captivate and draw you in. And what's just a little bit of embellishment to kind of take it like that extra yard to really capture their heart? There are sins that you just can't say no to, at least for very long. And Jesus says everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. They can't say no. So here's what you need to understand. Not being able to say no is another way of saying, Yes, Master. Yes, Master. In other words, you are a slave to the sin that you can't say no to. Let's keep reading, verse 39. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying your actions, not your words, reveal whose authority you're really under. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, This is their response to that. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. Again, they're they're thinking physical. Do you see this? They're totally wrapped up in the physical. And Jesus is trying to get them to see things from the kingdom, spiritual. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I came from God and I am here. Makes perfect sense. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. Jesus' words here. Verse 44, you are of the father, I'm sorry, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 45, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listen listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Strong, strong words here from Jesus, okay? Keep something in mind. We talked about this. Who is Jesus talking to here? tells us in verse 30 and 31, these are people who believed him. They, they started to acknowledge this guy's, this guy's the Messiah. They believed what he was telling them. and He's making these claims to be God in the flesh and the Messiah, okay? <clears throat> and now he's telling these same people that believed him, he's saying, you do not believe me. Look back at verse 31. This is where it all starts. Then Jesus said to the Jews, that's who he's talking to, who had believed him, If you continue, that word's so big, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, if you keep trusting me, if you keep obeying me, if you look to me alone to define what is true, not culture, not how you feel, not emotions even, not your circumstances, nothing other than me. If you look to me alone to define what is true, Jesus is giving them an invitation to make him and him alone the highest authority in their life. If you trust and obey me, if you continue in my word, and then and only then will they stop being deceived. Then Start believing something different. Start believing someone different. He says, if you continue to trust and obey me, it will free you from saying, yes, master, to Satan and sin. And instead, say, yes, master, to Jesus Christ. You see what it is? It's a transfer of authority in your life. You're literally handing over authority in your life. Like, according to Jesus, that's what a disciple is. If you continue in my word, trust me, my words, listen to me, my words, I define what is true. If you do that, you really are my disciples. It's a transfer of authority. Jesus says that's what a disciple is. We're doing great on time. I'm gonna call the band up and close with this. I got maybe five, 10 more minutes. This is a really sobering text for me this week. I got to be honest, this week was really hard for me, guys. On a, like on, on practically every plethora, like every area of my life. And I'm like, this passage falls like cool wrestling with this. But Jesus's words are often misunderstood and oftentimes when we go like, "Dang, Jesus, that's harsh." It's because we haven't really dug enough to see the beauty in it. So Jesus here, he references how from the very beginning, we just read it, from the very beginning, Satan has been lying and deceiving, okay? He's the father of lies. He's the originator of things that aren't true, the originator of lies. So listen to me. The biggest and most dangerous deception is when a person believes that they themselves can even be their own highest authority, did you hear what I said? I'm going to say it again. The biggest and most dangerous deception is when a person, you, mean anybody else, believes that they themselves can even be their own highest authority. Like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Culture tells us that that's like the highest form of freedom to do whatever you want. That's what freedom is, is you can do what you want. Your way, right? <clears throat> that's the highest form of freedom, uh, to call your own shots, to live your way, to do whatever you want. Essentially, it's like being God. It's being like God. Your own highest authority. Culture calls that freedom, but friends, it's a lie. There's a lot of deception wrapped up in that. In fact, this idea to be like God, wasn't that the lie in Genesis 3? from the very beginning, before before sin entered the world. Wasn't that the deception? To be like God, to be your own highest authority. Let's look at it. Genesis chapter three, starting in verse one. Now the serpent, Satan, was the most cunning. I hate that word, cunning. Was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? If you know the story, that's like so ridiculously deceptive. God creates everything and goes, guys, be fruitful, multiply. Naked, unashamed, have a blast. Just don't touch this one. What does Satan say? Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Distortion, deception. Verse two, the woman said back to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. So she's like, yeah, we can eat from the tr- fruit of the trees in the garden. But, ab- but about the, f- the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God, says, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No. You'll not die. Lie. Deception. The serpent said that to the woman. Verse 5. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened. And what does it say? and you will be like God. Do you see what the deception was? Satan, he deceived Adam and Eve into believing that they could be their own highest authority. He deceived them into believing that saying no to God meant saying yes to themselves as highest authority. But who did they actually say yes to? Who did they say yes to? Satan and with him sin who actually became master in that moment not them obviously not God Satan and sin Jesus is telling these Jews that he's talking to he's saying your actions they reveal whose authority you're really under your words they do not your actions reveal whose authority you're really under you think that you're free But you can't say no to sin. Therefore, you're a slave. You're deceived. When you sin, you aren't your own master. Satan is. Friends, some of us in the room, just statistically, are deceived this morning. You think you're free but you can't say no to sin. That's slavery. Don't live a deceived life, man. But, sermon's on over. There's really, really, really good news. Friends, do you know what it means when Jesus says he came to set the captives free? Captive's a slave, someone in bondage, someone who can't say no. means that Jesus says that he came to set the captives free. Listen, it wasn't to enable you or I to be our own highest authority. It wasn't to enable you and I to be our own master. It was to invite you to look to him, the glorious one, as master, to to, to transfer that authority from Satan back to God where it belongs. Like, Friends, do you see how gracious this is? You see how gracious Jesus is. Jesus is the only master who uses his authority for your good. He's the only master who dies in your place to forgive every sin against him that you couldn't say no to. And he's the only master who tells you the truth. And what that truth does is it empowers you to live a life of saying no to sin and saying yes, master, to Jesus. And when we do that, we start to usher in a different kingdom with a very different king. Not Satan, not me. Glorious King Jesus. He sets the captives free. Do you see this? Like, that's the greatest love in the history of the world. There's nothing greater than that. And it's for you. Anytime you want it. Anytime you find yourself running back into slavery, selling your soul back into slavery, Jesus invites you. So listen, if you want to stop the slavery to sin in your life, turn to Jesus for the first time or for the trillionth time. Turn to Jesus. Receive his grace and forgiveness. Trust him instead. Trust him instead of culture. Trust him instead of sometimes even emotions. Trust him in his word. Continue in his word. Obey him instead and listen to me. If you do, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. This morning, Jesus is inviting the captive to be free. His mercies are new every morning. Will you stand with me if you're able and wanna pray for us? Listen for just a bit. See if God highlights anything. There's this one drawer in my house. And I just got a picture of it. <clears throat> it's my least favorite drawer in our house um, because there's a bunch of stuff in it that's just thrown in there. And stuff gets lost all the time. And I've gotten kind of, um, I've started to kind of be like, I bet it's in that junk drawer. And for whatever reason, I just got a picture of that. And I think what it is, is I think God really wants to provide some like, deep cleansing and healing love to parts of some of our hearts where we've just kind of thrown things away in the junk drawer and like, I don't want to deal with that but it has, to have, it has to have a place. Your experiences in life, they have to have a place in the drawer somewhere. And I feel like God wants to, like, I think he's that, highlighting that this morning. Some things that maybe you're not aware of, that you're, 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 you're living the life of a slave when you're actually a child. He's inviting you into his family. He wants to be highest authority. He wants to be your father who loves you. He wants you to experience that love. He, wants you to, he has an inheritance for you. greater than you could ever imagine. And here's the cool part is, some of it's waiting for you, but he gives some of it now. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you please help us to see the grace of Jesus this morning? I pray against pride. I pray that you just squash pride in the room. This is a room full of sinners. who who you've graciously offered to to adopt into your family for the blood of Jesus to cover every single one of our sins, past, present, future, and to empower us to live a different life, a spirit-empowered life where we get to usher in your kingdom. We get to see your kingdom come in tangible, practical ways now, and we get to anxiously await for the fullness of your kingdom to come because the child of God is free to say no to sin. I feel you this morning, Jesus. I feel you inviting people. In gracious love, your word says that you don't don't drive your sheep, you draw them. You don't force us, you, you, you beckon us, you call us, you draw us. And I feel you this morning, Holy Spirit, drawing us, inviting us away from slavery to sin. And I love the promise of your word that if we draw near to you, God, that you will draw near to us. That's a promise from you. So I appeal to your promise that every heart and soul in this room that draws near to you now, they would encounter the, fa- the, the fatherly love of God for them, not just for the, the, the corporate world, but for them. And it would captivate their heart, that grace, that mercy, that love, that empowerment. Freedom from sin is great. Fellowship with you is great. We get you, Jesus. We get you to be a good master who's also our friend. So would would you help us to be men and women who boldly and courageously follow you as disciples, continue in your word, continue trusting you, continue obeying you, and continue running to the well of grace that never runs dry for every single time that we don't. It's always available because your love for us is unwavering and stubborn. Bless us, Holy Spirit. Free my friends, free my brothers and my sisters. Free us this morning from the bondage of sin, the power of sin in our lives. It has no power. We don't have to say yes to it anymore. We get to say yes to you. Empower us to do so. You're so glorious and good, Jesus. We love you. And we pray these things in your holy and your beautiful and unparalleled name. Amen.